Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Good morning. Thanks for staying with us on Money FM 89.3. I'm Ryan Huang. The clock is ticking as we count down to September 13th. That's when Singapore's next presidential election is due. Ahead of that, Senior Minister and Coordinating Minister for Social Policies, Taman Shamagaratnam, has announced his decision to put himself forward to run for the coveted role and retire from politics. Have a listen. This is different because it's not a political contest. Unlike general elections I've been through, this is not a political contest. This is about choosing the right person, but I still make no assumptions about my chances. I put myself forward to serve to the best of my ability, using all my experience in economics, in finance, in international affairs, and the standing I have internationally. I put myself forward to serve Singaporeans in this new role, not a political role, but a different one that has to be above politics. It has to be above politics. And I feel the time is now right for me to serve in this role. Well, this decision will end Mr. Taman's service in the Singapore cabinet for more than two decades. For a deeper analysis, we're joined by former nominated member of parliament, Eugene Tan, who is also associate professor of law at the Singapore Management University. Good morning, Eugene. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Ryan. It's always awesome to have you in the show to talk about some of the moves that are happening in politics. So are you surprised by Mr. Taman's decision? I was, um, you know, simply because he is someone who is very closely connected, you know, with the ruling party. Mm. And I think looking at the political climate in Singapore, particularly among young people, uh, I think there is a growing sense that perhaps, you know, the president should be someone, you know, who is not from the establishment in order for him or her to be a proper check and balance. But overall, you know, I, I think it comes to me as a pleasant surprise. And I think it will add to the presidential contest. It will add to the office of the presidency if Mr. Thurman were to win. Yeah, I think uh, maybe you can expand on that, not from the establishment, because based on previous... Um, oh yeah, I mean, here we are looking at, uh, you know, Mr. Tharaman, you know, who is now the CM Minister, and, and prior to that, you know, was uh, the, the Deputy Prime Minister, uh, someone who has been in, contested under the PAP ticket since 2001. And prior to that, you know, long service in the public sector, mm. particularly in the Monetary Authority of Singapore. But I think one could also say that his background actually gives him... Um, you know, a lot of expertise and experience you know, in how the government functions. And one could imagine that he would go into the role rather seamlessly, but at the same time also, you know, be able to keep the government on its toes, right? Because he would know the ins and outs of government. He would know what can be done, what cannot be done. And so I would imagine, you know, that when the government in presenting, you know, a decision that requires the president to sign off, you know, they will have to be very careful. They have to be even more meticulous, uh, you know, to make sure that it all adds up, you know, to the recommendation that the government is putting forth. And of course, uh, you actually had interaction with him or had a chance to meet him in person when you were in parliament yourself as an MP between 2012 and 2014. What's your impression of him? How would you describe Mr. Tam? I would describe him as, you know, your gentleman politician. And why do I say that? I think he treated every member of parliament with respect, right? Whether you are a new MP or whether you are a veteran MP, whether you are from the ruling party or whether you're from the opposition or whether you are unaffiliated, you know, that we NMPs are. So when you look at how he fielded parliamentary questions, you know, it was really about trying to put the answer as clearly as possible, right? Not seeking to gain any political advantage, you know, never mind, right? If the MP posing the question, you know, was trying to seek to make some political point. If you look in terms of, you know, his budget statements, right? Um, you know, when I was NMP, he was the finance minister. Being able to get across government policies, you know, in that clear manner, 
um, you know, very articulate, um, but also, you know, seeking to persuade Singaporeans, you know, why we have to do more, you know, with less, you know, why we may have to tax more, for example. Um, you know, so I think when you look at his being in parliament, you know, I think, you know, he demonstrated all the best qualities, you know, that a politician should have, you know, that in the end, parliament is about a platform in which all MPs, you know, should strive for the betterment of Singapore and Singaporeans. Yeah, so it sounds like he embodies a lot of these uh, positive traits and Indeed. you're already painting a picture of someone who is, well, quite formidable in terms of being a contender, or at least running for the presidency. So we haven't heard from anyone else about their intentions to run for presidency. So let's talk about what might happen with the potential competition. Are we likely to see anyone come forth, especially from the private sector? Anyone who might be gutsy enough to stand up? You know, Ryan, I hope there'll be someone with a gumption, right? And, and the guts, you know, to, to put forth. And I'm not saying that this is someone who is reckless, right? I mean, yes, Mr. Tharman is a formidable candidate, but we must also remember that someone who is not from the establishment, right, who meets the eligibility requirements would bring something different to the table. Right, a different perspective, new ways of looking at an issue, perhaps not so persuaded, you know, that the government is doing right. I think that would be good, um, you know, in terms of the custodial functions that the elected president has to play. Um, you know, so if we have a hopeful who now looks at, oh, you know, Mr. Tharman is running, so I'm not going to win, so I'm going to sit out, I think that that would be disappointing. I think that it should be someone who feels that he or she brings something different to the table, um, you know, that he or she is persuaded that he or she is equal to the task, and that you'd be good for Singaporeans, you know, to give all candidates a fair hearing and for them to decide, you know, who they think would be best suited, you know, to be at Istana. Yeah, I think that's a key thing. Bring something new to the table. But here's what they are up against. Mr. Taman has previously served as Deputy PM, Finance and Education Minister. He comes with two decades and more, actually, of experience as a politician. He's also held important past global appointments as, for example, the first Asian chair of the IMFC or the International Monetary and Financial Committee. So quite a long CV and impressive one as well. So we're going to jump the gun a bit. If he is elected, how much weight would that bring to Singapore's international standing, for example? I think it, it will be a tremendous boost. Um, you know, all our presidents, including President Halima Yaakob, has worked very hard to put Singapore on, on the international stage, you know, through their visits, you know, because the president is effectively Singapore's chief uh, diplomat. Mm. Uh, but I would imagine that someone in the mole of uh, Mr. Tharaman, you know, given his vast expertise and experience, that we would have many world leaders seeking to tap his brains, you know, seek his insights on matters which he has a lot of expertise, right? Fiscal, economic, monetary matters. And I think for Singapore as a small state, you know, it is important for our leaders, you know, including the president, you know, to be able to project Singapore's voice as a voice of reason, you know, to remind the world at large, you know, that the concerns and interests of small states, you know, need to be taken into account to be considered to be given fair judgment. So I would say that someone with the stature of uh, Mr. Tharman will certainly add to our diplomatic reach. And I think that's increasingly important, right, in a world that is more turbulent geopolitically, uh, particularly in this part of Asia. Asia. Yeah, we were chatting off air earlier and you mentioned the word counterintuitive. I'm just wondering if you can unpack how different his background is and also what's similar to past presidents because as we all know, he is quite closely linked to the PAP after going through you know, two decades in various roles. In terms of optics, what will people take away from him being president if he is elected? Well, I say his counterintuitive choice, uh, you know, simply because as a politician, you know, he would be aware of the political sentiments, you know, about who should be the elected president, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think when you look at young people today, 
I think there is a strong view that the president should preferably be with someone not from the establishment. And so for someone like Mr. Tharman to put his name forward, uh, I think that in a way goes against what I would describe as you know the common intuition. But I think if he runs and if he gets elected, I think he will be an important marker, you know, because the president is not a political office. It is a non-partisan office, you know, and it will also demonstrate to Singaporeans that in the end, we need to look at the person, right, his or her suitability for the job. And that includes being able to be his or her own person, being able to stand up against the government, you know, particularly when he or she will have the mandate of the people. I hope that in the end, you know, we, we look beyond labels, we look beyond party affiliations, and instead to see what someone brings to the office. And, and I think this is where hopefully we will be able to not judge a book by its cover, so to speak, you know, but to look at what each candidate brings to the table. Yeah, talking about bringing things to the table, the value, right, of him being in that role, what would be the potential synergies that might be uh, coming forth as he works with the 4G leadership when you think about how there's, in this sense, a change of guard, new leaders coming up. And also when you look at his relinquishing of some roles, who will be stepping up to take over some of these roles? I would anticipate that the 4G leadership, you know, would be keen to tap on uh, Mr. Tarman's expertise and experience. I mean, looking at the dynamics between, you know, the PAP leadership uh, when I was NMP and, mm. and subsequently after that, I think there's tremendous of respect for Mr. Tharman, uh, you know, particularly his independence of mind, uh, you know, his ability to look at things afresh. So whether you look at things like the idea of a social safety net, you know, not just as a net, but as a trampoline mm. or, or about a meritocracy, you know, uh, likening it to, in a way, like an escalator, a lifelong uh, meritocracy. I think these are new ways of looking at fundamental policies. You know? So I would imagine that the 4G leadership, you know, will consult him and that, you know, in his capacity as president, when he has regular meetings with the prime minister, you know, that he would also be very forthright in putting forth his views. And of course, all this will not be known in the public. But I think, you know, he, he will certainly want to, to be consulted. He will certainly want to, to counsel, to advise, to caution, which is what, you know, most constitutional heads of state would do. I don't think that we will find someone from the 4G who would be able to step up to all the multi-faceted roles that Mr. Tharman has played. Uh, we must remember when Mr. Tharman came into politics in 2001, you know, he wasn't that finished product, if, if I could put it that way. You know, he wasn't that statesman that he is today. So I would expect that, you know, we will have 4G leaders, you know, who will take on the roles that um, he will be relinquishing and that they will have to measure up. There's a steep learning curve, but I see no reason why they would not be able to step up. In a way, it would be an indication of how robust our system of political succession and renewal is. You know, so hopefully the system will continue, right, to be able to throw up more leaders, you know, in the mold of Mr. Tharman. Well, in conversation with former NMP Eugene Tan, who's also Associate Professor of Law at SMU. Now let's take a quick look back at our current president, Madam Halima Yaakob, who is Singapore's first female president. So looking back at a six-year term, Eugene, what would you say are some of the most notable and impressionable moments for you from her term? Well, for me, Madam Halima has brought unparalleled energy to the presidency. Despite the COVID-19 pandemic, she was very active in supporting particularly community causes that have not received particular attention, right? So whether it's issues such as mental health, people with disabilities, the vulnerable, you know, the marginal communities in our society, that reinforces the role of the president as a symbol of national unity and as a unifying uh, figure. Mm. We also remember Madam Halima 
uh, you know, for making those critical decisions, right, uh, relating to her custodial powers over our national reserves, right? During so, COVID-19, so, of course. Correct. Yeah. So if you recall, you know, she approved close to 100 billion Singapore dollars to enable Singapore to protect lives and to protect uh, livelihoods. Now, these are weighty decisions. We don't get to see the sort of debate that goes on behind closed doors between her, her Council of Presidential Advisors and the government. But getting this mechanism you know, to put in place that sort of fiscal power to ensure that we will come out stronger after the pandemic, I think these were very critical decisions. Um, so finally, I think Madam Halima brought that common touch, you know, showing that we should not judge a person based on his or her looks, right? So, you know, here we have a Muslim woman, tudung wearing, being able to interact with people from all walks of life, you know, whether you're talking about kings and queens, you know, right down to the ordinary person. I think, you know, that adds so much a desirable quality mm. to the office or here of state and in her various roles, you know, constitutionally, community and ceremonial, right? So I would say that she will be missed, um, you know, for the way she brought that common touch to the office. Yeah, I think that's been reflected in the tributes that have come forth um, for her term in office. And just to wrap things up, we've got the process of the presidential election set to begin when the Prime Minister issues the writ of election. So, of course, we can't let you go for asking that million-dollar question. When will the presidential election likely be held? Will it be after National Day? It, it will have to be. I, I hope so, right? Because I think the, the month of August, as uh, the government had previously indicated, should be dedicated to commemorating Singapore's independence. Now, while the presidential election is not a political contest, you know, so you wouldn't have that sort of uh, trading of barbs or criticisms or angsty political calls and all, uh, I think it would be nice, you know, for, for August to be dedicated to commemorating Singapore's independence. So I would say that the writ of election, you know, would probably be issued in August itself, you know, but the actual process, you know, the cut and thrust of campaigning in a very different way from parliamentary elections, you know, that the bulk of it will take place in September. Now, I think it's possible that elections could be held after polling day itself could be after Madam Halima has uh, stepped down from office, which means that in a very short interim period, there could be an acting president. But I think certainly we can look at September. I don't think it would be in July because, you know, that's really too soon. So I think all signs, to my mind, you know, point to nomination day being in September with polling day as well in the second half of September. Oh, definitely a lot to look forward to and we are certainly. looking forward to catching up with you again when that happens, Eugene. Former NMP Eugene Tan, who's also Associate Professor of Law at SMU. Thanks for your time again, Eugene. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.